message that the Lord has uh, started to stir in me. I'm actually working on a book uh, by the same title. And so you get like the first real go at this book. So when you see this book come out in a couple of years, because that's how far down the list it is of books I'm writing, um, maybe it'll get accelerated. Some things do that. Um, but this is called Control Your Soul. So when you when you see that book and you buy, you'll be like, I was there in the original. Control your soul. Get, yes, I am. <clears throat> I'm just not going to get in a hurry. I feel like I'm really quiet. Am I really quiet? I'm not trying to call out the sound, sound man or anything, but turn turn me up right now. Um. Here's the truth. There, now I have power. Show God. Louder. <laughs> you, you are divine royalty. And normally I'm that guy that is like, you are awesome. Just be you. And I'm very encouraging, but I kind of want to rebuke you tonight. Is that all right? Yeah. Good. Um, you are divine royalty and normally I would take that that message and I would say just go after your passions and be you and be fully you and blossom in the world and the world to go whoa get me in that kingdom but I think that we've got a big problem we got a soul problem because your soul is is kingdom territory when you come into the kingdom and, and you become one with the Lord your entire being becomes his and access should be limited to kingdom residents to whom you have appointed and approved their influence in your life. And no one else. The problem is that we give too much access to too many people. And sometimes not even people. We give it access to demons and principalities. Let the rebuke begin. We have got to become violent against the things that are in opposition to the kingdom. In our city, in our families, in this church, and in other churches. But first it has to start in ourselves. You have to get violent against the things that are violent against you. Because you are hated. Vince, I'm loved. Yes, and that's why you're hated. Darkness really hates you. I like how I talk to me, too. I don't really need you guys to be here. I'm just doing this for myself. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is surrounded by violence, but it's the passionate ones who take hold of it and advance it. Turn in your Bibles, if you're a Christian and brought one, to Mark 4, 21 through 25. If you don't have yours, look on with a Christian. A little healthy condemnation never hurt anybody. Mark 4, verse 21. It's on page 1296, if you've got the right Bible. <clears throat> Man, I've got all sorts of jokes tonight. <clears throat> all right, 21 through 25, Mark 4. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and kind of analyze these verses. And he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a, bush, a bushel or a basket, is it? Or under a bed, is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? For nothing is hidden except for to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And he was saying to them, take care of what you listen to. By your standard of measurement, it will be measured back to you. More will be given to you besides. For whoever has, to him shall be given more. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. You are the lamp, in verse 21. And you were designed to shine. I was actually looking this up during prayer this morning, and you really should come to, uh, to prayer at 11, uh, 11 to 12 if you can make it. Um, it is so good. So, so good to me. Um, I was reading Colossians 1, and in it, the, uh, the Apostle Paul uses this word, this word manifest. And, I, and Jeremy and I love this word manifest. It's all about some awesomeness that we've got going and flowing. And if you want to really hear about it, you should do EJS this summer. Or you can stay a nominal Christian. <laughs> Just kidding, for the most part. Um, <clears throat> the word manifest that he uses here actually has a root in the word to make shine. And so a lot of times we get stuck in this idea that, that when we manifest something or like you're manifesting a demon, that that's like a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. If you're manifesting a demon, that means that you are actually unloading that thing. Oh, good. It's getting off my boat. And to manifest something is to make it shine. So it's not just light being sh- like shone, shonded, shondamahaya. Um, it's not just light being shined shone upon you or on dark places in you it's actually to make you shine in the things that you actually have in you and that gold and those diamonds that have been just resident inside of you make them shine i think that's pretty cool if you don't go to a different church um i'm so funny tonight guys i really like me tonight here here's what i'm trying to say you were made to shine your your purpose is to be luminous. Verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. What is inside of you is, is not only supposed to be manifest, but is the whole world is supposed to see what has been put inside of you. Verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. This is, Je- this is a classic Jesusism uh, that means pay attention. I'm dropping something deep on you, and if you don't engage your discernment, you're going to miss it. So whenever you read this, you're reading through the Gospels, and you hear, he who has ears, let him hear, go, oh, this is important. I need to box this, underline it, cut it out of my Bible, and tattoo it on my forehead backwards so I can read it in the mirror. Verse 24, and this is kind of the main point. Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measurement, it will be measured back to you, and more will be given to you besides. We have to be careful to guard the access points to our inner man. Your inner man is being renewed and coming to life. Who you really are is is being manifest. There's some practical ways that you can do that to guard that part of you so that you can actually become that and be full of light instead of manifesting darkness in your life. One way, and this is, is, I really want you to take this seriously. He who has ears, let him hear. Um, Really, these are things that you can do to change your own life. Limit the, and I feel like this, these are words from the Lord. We need to limit and monitor our media intake. I mean that for worldly media, and I mean that for religious media, too. We were talking about this in um, EJS class this, this Tuesday. I was teaching, 
And the students are like, whoa, slow down. My brain can't handle it anymore. Too much change in one hour. And I said, I'm sorry. This is what you paid for. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I've come to love and dislove about getting good theology is I start to hate Christian music. Has anybody experienced that? Hate's a strong word. Abhor is probably what I meant to say. Because I, I dislike what Jesus is portrayed as and what his kingdom is portrayed as, as, not just in the secular media, but what Christianity is supposedly all about. Some of these worship songs even, you're like, do you, have you read the New Testament? Like, that stuff is done. Like when we start singing about being a sinner and la, 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 la. Okay, yeah, we were, but you are now a saint. You know, like there's so much more victory in, in who we are that we just miss out on because we just don't think right about anything sometimes ever. So we need to limit what, we, what you bring in. That's what Jesus is saying. He's in, he says, be careful what you listen to. Not just don't listen to Rihanna. Rihanna got me through a hard time. No, she didn't. <laughs> I'm saying limit, limit what comes in because what comes in and monitor what comes in because what comes into your brain is going to get into your heart. And, and Matthew 20, no, not 20, Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart is going to come out. Here's another way you can practically do this. Spend time listening to and looking at Jesus. It's not just, it's not a bunch of do nots. I'm going to give you a do this. Get in front of Jesus and listen to him. Turn off your radio. Turn off your, your MP3 player, your whatever. Turn it off. Look at him. Listen to him. And third, take captive your thoughts and your emotions. And we're going to talk about that more later. When you feel something or you think something that doesn't mean that it's actually right. We're going to really get into that. So the second half of this verse actually is really cool. The Lord gave me some fresh stuff this, uh, this afternoon on it. By your standard of measurement, it will be measured to you, and more will be given to you besides. This is, it's a really cool in the Greek because it actually uses the same base word, uh, metro, which isn't like metro. It's like a measurement, metric, uh, three times in a row. Metro, metro, metreate, metrethesete, tai, shaka nabanda. But it's, it's like the measurement, uh, the measurement of your measuring will measure to you. It, like it's very important that, that what he's basically saying is how you evaluate and assess the world around you, like the way that you evaluate it, you will, will determine the way that you have an ability to actually receive revelation from him. Did you catch that? The, the, way, the way that you look at the world is just as important as how, what you actually look at in the world. Jesus is giving us this, this cheat code. How you evaluate the world around you is just as important as what you evaluate in the world around you. In other words, your attitude towards the world matters. If you're being judgmental, you know what's going to come back to you? Judgment. If you're being loving and giving the benefit of the doubt to people, What's going to happen to you? You're going to get it coming right back to you because your soul is actually like a cosmic boomerang launcher. <laughs> Judgment! Funk! 
And they're a lot quicker than you'd like to admit. Verse 25 says, For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever, whosoever, whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. What you own will increase. What actually, I'm talking of your soul life. I hope the good things that you have will increase too. I have a car. Increase. Two cars. Yay. <laughs> Give one away. Um, but what you actually own, if you, if you take, if an emotion comes to you and you own it and you say, this is mine, then it will increase. Does that make sense? Have you ever been angry just a little bit about something and then all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm real angry. That's my anger. Oh, it's really my anger. And you just turn into the Hulk. And it's like, ah, me smash everything. And like, chill out. What, what you own will increase. But if you do not embrace and take responsibility for uh, what happens in your head and in your heart, then what you, what you actually have will slip away. This is both pos- positive and negative. If you get an emotion and it comes to you, maybe it's depression. Maybe, like, sadness, like comes into you, like into your atmosphere. I'll be very new agey in how I talk about this for a second. It comes into your atmosphere. You can either say, yes, I am depressed, which is a bad statement to make ever. It's a bad thing to agree with. As soon as you own that, it becomes a part of you, and you have to deal with it, and it will increase because you've given authority to that emotion, which is actually a demon of depression trying to get its claws in your brain. And if you give authority to it, it will increase and will have more authority and it will kill you if it can. But if, if all of a sudden you get this negative emotion of, of depression that hits you, you're like, whoa, I don't think so. <laughs> that does not work in this, within one foot of me, that, that kind of emotion doesn't work. Then it will slip away. That's what he's saying when he says, for whoever has to him more, well, it's not exactly what he's saying, but this is the application that you should take tonight, and it'll change your life. For whoever has to him shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he does have will be taken away from him. Self-control needs to have a redefinition. Self-control is not control of one's actions. What? (laughs) How dare you? That's what I've been taught my entire life. Self-control is, uh, it is dominion of one's internal processes. The Greek word uh, that Paul uses to describe that flavor of the fruit of the Spirit is enkrateia. Krateia! Which basically means internal rulership. In krate. What self-control is, is it is being the ruler, the king of yourself. Does that manifest in you, that you actually, you know, act correctly? Yes, of course. But the, the actions start inside of you. No one can force you to do something that you don't want to do already. But Vince, I've done so many things that I didn't want to do. Yeah, but what you actually wanted to do is be controlled by that person or you were in some kind of submission to that person and your desire to be submitted to that control is what actually got you to do those things. But you're free of that to the degree that you agree with the truth. So get free. 
This will uh, inevitably result in external action modification, but that is the symptom of self-control, not the virtue itself. The virtue of self-control is that you rule yourself. Your mind, your will, your emotions are yours. Let me restate what I started with. You are divine royalty. You are godly. You are royalty. There are things that we allow in our lives that we would never endorse for anyone else to do. This is going to hurt. If we were reading a story of our own lives, but it was in a novel form about a young person that was physically born of heaven and transplanted here on earth, we would be appalled at some of the things that we have allowed ourselves to think, say, feel, and do. Or watch or listen to. I'm not even just talking about sin. I'm talking about those little foxes that that spoil the vine. Those little thoughts that we allow into our brain that that we go, yeah, that's probably true. Oh, bother. We turn to Eeyore and just like acquiesce to these retarded things. And we just neglect our watchfulness. Instead of like, we get lazy about our own souls. When we're supposed to be the king of our internal processes. I have this thing that I call the thought stream. I think I probably got it from somebody else, but I'll just claim it as my own because I've said it so much that it's mine. All mine. Think of your, your mind or really your soul life, your metaphysical life um, as like a stream of water. The more truth that you have flowing through your thought stream or your soul stream, the less attention uh, that like lies and darkness and deception can actually have. Because if you have a little trickle, like let's say this was the, the banks of a river here. If you have just a little like, wow, it's a lot cooler outside of these lights. That's nice. Um, if you had like a little six-inch trail of water there and you dump some sludge in there, all of a sudden it's just sludge water. But if you've got a rushing river... I feel like there's a something about that in the Bible. Rushing river. Like the if you've got truth just flowing through your river, you are not going to notice when a bucket of sludge goes in there, or you're gonna go, Oh, that's gross. Glad that's gone. Because it'll go that quick. Because you've got so you're just bombarding yourself with with light and love and truth that that stuff can't stick around. And you recognize it and you go, not staying. Bye. Okay, good. But we've got to learn how to, how to guard our thought stream. Thank you. But also, we need to be self-aware. We don't just need to, like, go, nothing bad goes in here, please. We need to, we need to actually turn around and guard it and go, okay, you're not coming. Somebody snipe him over there. You know, like, we need to be, like, intentional about this thing and not let things come near us. I'm not saying be self-focused, but because self-focus will actually breed religious fear of Thor, the hammer god. We think of God like that. He's this big, he's got this big Thor hammer. He's going to rat, boom. It's not who he is. But like Jesus, he was aware of people's thoughts. I love those, those moments where, and hearing their thoughts, he said to them, and you're like, hey, that's not fair. <laughs> well, nobody ever said the kingdom was fair. and just said it was good. That was a revelation somebody needed to hear. And, um, 
he, he could feel virtue leaving him. He was self-aware. He was not self-focused. We must become mature in our soul life. Not all thoughts are your thoughts and not all emotions are yours either. You've heard the phrase, uh, don't believe everything you read. I want to tell you, don't believe everything you think. Sometimes it's other people's thoughts. If you were actually birthed into the same family as Jesus and he could read minds, what makes you think that you can't? Sometimes it's demons. Many times it's, it's actually just demonic soul sludge that gets dumped into your stream. Sometimes just by proximity and sometimes by assi- assignment. Sometimes you get around somebody that's got a, a tormentor and all of a sudden you feel tormented. You ever had that? You've, you've, I'm sure you've had it on the positive side. Somebody who's really super prophetic and wise. You get around them and you're like, I'm like the most prophetic and wise person I've ever met. And then they leave and you're like, how do I do wisdom again? <laughs> I just don't remember how that feels. Same thing happens with the demonic realm. Sometimes critters get on people and they, they just kind of like perch. Rejection is really good at this. And, and some, if somebody who's got a rejection critter, it'll perch on them. And then you get around them and you're just like, I just want to punch you in the face. You don't know anything about them. You just want to reject them. But from, from, a, from some moment, they, they received rejection. They came into agree, agreement with it. And all of a sudden, you want to push them away too. And it strengthens that thing because they're, they're like, yeah, it is true. And they start to be formed into the image of this rejection spirit instead of the image of Christ. Sometimes people are assigned, there's an assignment on their life of rejection or uh, hate or lust or whatever. Fill in the blank. Some spirit has been assigned to their life and that demonic sludge gets dumped into their stream over and over and over again. And sometimes you can have an assignment on your life and you don't even know it because you've got so much truth flowing through your, your soul stream that you don't even notice when those things get dumped in there. Wouldn't that be nice? Give me all the demonic assignments you want. I'm not going to notice it. I've got so much river of life flowing out of me. It doesn't affect me. I've got a river of life. The essential first step is to know who you truly are, and then you can easily evaluate what is not you. I know that I'm a really positive person. At my core, I know who I am. I enjoy people. I think the best of people. I think that everything's going to turn out in my favor, and I'm surprised when it doesn't. That's who I am. So any negative emotion or judgment that wiggles its way into my daily experience is foreign. You know how the counterfeit, the people who figure out if money is counterfeit, how they figure out that it's counterfeit, they just look at the real thing over and over and over and over and over. And so they're so accustomed to truth and reality that when the fake comes, they go, ugh, ew. You've seen that Jimmy Fallon thing? <laughs> they go, that is, that's a, clearly a fake. And somebody who doesn't know, they're like, well, it looks real. No, it doesn't. It's got the thing. But it feels real. No, it doesn't. It feels like fake. Or at least it doesn't feel real. That's how the more truth you've got going through you, the more the lies become so glaringly apparent. Trespassing is illegal. John 10, turn there now in Jesus' name. 
You like being ordered around? Stand up, sit down. What are we, Catholic? <laughs> Love the Catholics. I actually grew up in a Catholic charismatic community. It was pretty cool. John 10, 1 through 5. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all, he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. When a demon tries to speak into a, a, a saint's mind, it should go, why are you even talking? Those are false shepherds. Knowing your giftings, knowing your tendencies, knowing your calling and your potential uh, places of woundedness, those being self-aware of those things will help you to recognize when those lies are coming in. So you can guard especially. Does that make sense? You put up special dams around your your thing so that you, you don't get damned. Play on words. That was so clever. Thank you, Vince. Your soul is a good thing. Too often we, we get into this idea that we're, like the soul is a bad thing. Um, robots are boring. I mean, if we were all worshiping, worshiping as robots in here, it would have just, I mean, you might as well just push play on a CD player and had other CD players push play at the same time. But is the uniqueness of our thoughts, emotions, and decision-making that make up our personality. It's essential to embrace our uniqueness and to become fully ourselves. We cannot go into the extremes of saying that this thing, that, that the emotions are bad. That's what, that's what extreme uh, conservatives are saying. Oh, it's just sensationalism. It's, why are you so emotional? Emotions are good. God made emotions. He's full of emotions. Actually, I've, I've highlighted every emotion of God in this Bible, and it reminds me every time I'm reading through something that, that God is full of emotion. It wore out an entire highlighter from it. That's how many emotions God has. Pink. Duh. <laughs> but we also can't go to the other extreme and say that the mind is a bad thing which charismatics do. Everybody's like, ah, you're talking bad about us now. We, we can go into this place where, where we're like, nope, intellectualism, that's demonic. There is a spirit of knowledge. What did uh, Rick Joyner used to say all the time? Don't be so open-minded that your, head fall, your brain falls out. Was that Bickle? He probably got it from Rick. Ecclesiastes 7.18 is one of my uh, favorite verses that the NIV actually did a good job with. The nearly inspired version. Um, in, the, in the NIV only is where Ecclesiastes 7.18 says, The one who fears God avoids all extremes. It says that he's able to stand in the middle and grab from both sides. I'm, and I'm not even touching in this whole thing about what comes out of us. I'm just talking about what's coming into us. I could talk on that a whole nother talk. 
But suffice it to say, we need to be strategic about what comes out of us, the words that come out of us, the actions that come out of us. You can say a good thing and it not be the right thing. Don't take that tangent. Maybe next week, Tracy. Um, Maybe Sunday. Maybe I'll take over for Tracy on Sunday. Just kidding. The power of a human being is in their sovereignty. We talk about God being the sovereign I am. Well, guess what? You're made in his image. Do you know what sovereignty means? Because most people think that sovereignty means uh, causality. God's sovereign. He made everything happen. So when something bad happens, God's sovereign. So he made that happen so that the bad thing would cause a good thing. It's not what sovereignty is. Sovereignty is the ability to affect something. God is always able to do something. And you are always able to exercise your human will to do righteousness or to do wickedness. The human will, when partnered with the spirit of understanding, is one of the most dangerous enemies of Satan's camp. I'm wrapping up right now. Keep going. No, this last point's really good. In Joshua 24, the entire book of Joshua is actually a picture of the life of a believer who has stopped living under the law of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are the books of Moses. Joshua is the next one. After you've come out from under Moses, you're under Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua. His leadership is there, and Joshua is this foreshadow of Jesus. The entire book of Joshua is a picture of the believer who has grown past the leadership of the law of Moses and is taking the promised land of their life and their calling. Read it. I mean, it'll change your life. Well, at the end, in Joshua 24, at the very end of conquering the promised land, Joshua calls in all the leaders of Israel and calls them to choose who they will worship. Are you going to worship? Okay, we've we've taken the promised land. Are you going to worship the gods of our fathers? who actually did not worship God when they were in Egypt, or are you going to accept the baptism of the river and live here in the promised land, in the power of God, and worship him? And here's their response. Joshua 24, 24, very last chapter, I mean verses away from uh, moving on into Judges, where new leadership starts to actually establish the government of God and the people of God. Their response in 24, 24 is that they will not only serve God, but that they will listen to his voice. They declare that they will act in a way that is befitting to the divine family, but also that they will have, they're committing to have a dynamic and responsive internal life in God. So I want us to stand, and we're going to make this commitment together, and I'm going to pray for us. We're going to commit that that we're going to go after this hard and take control of our soul. Is that okay? So I'm going to to do this kind of prayer-ish where I actually talk to God, and you're just going to have to agree whether you like it or not. Because I can speak louder than you with the microphone. Maybe not louder than Tracy, but... God, we we commit uh, to serve you personally and not just corporately. God, we, we are saying by standing here right now, we are saying we want to serve you. You are my God. You're not just our God. You are my personal God, and I will worship you, and I will listen to your voice and respond to it. God, we are committing to listen to the good shepherd's voice and follow his leadings. 
God, we're committing by standing right now to reject all other voices, no matter what form they take. And we're, we're committing to flood our soul stream with light so that darkness is easily recognized and disposed of quickly. So God, I'm asking for a grace for us that we would have uh, that ability, that you would lead us and guide us in it, and you would make it easy for us, that you would deliver us from evil. Thank you for your deliverance. Give us more of it. Mark us as a people that, that we would constantly be getting progressively freer and freer and freer and freer Freer, freer. Give us more freedom, God. Make us scary free, God. Yeah. We love you. We love you. God, position angels around our our thought stream. Mark our emotions with your emotions. Flood us with truth. Flood us with revelation. Flood us with Uh, things that will wash away lies. Deliver us to the Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.